Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. This morning, I'm going to be addressing not only our congregation here, but this morning I'm going to be having a heart-to-heart -heart talk with our congregation and also the family of Victory Outreach. It's not going to be a, we would say, a, a regular message or just a, a message from the Word of God, but this morning I'm going to be speaking from my heart. And I want your undivided attention for the next few moments. And I'm, I'm addressing not only you, but also I'm addressing all of our Victory Outreach family around the world. And I would like to have you stand with me, if you will, this morning. And I'd like to have you open up your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 16 of John. John chapter 16. And I would like to read a verse that we find in John chapter 16. John chapter 16, and we're going to be looking this morning at verse 33 of John chapter 16. And as you can see, we have also the television cameras that are with us this morning. And we are getting ready. This is just the beginning of us beginning to uh, televise our Sunday morning worship services. This is just the beginning. So in the future, you're going to be seeing a lot of cameras, and we're going to be taking what is happening here and not only televising it locally, but televising it around the country. We have a number of stations around the country that as soon as we, we're ready, we're, we're, re we're able to televise these very special Sunday morning worship services. So this is just the beginning of great and mighty things that God is going to do. Amen? So in John chapter 16 and verse 33, I want you to follow with me as we read the scripture. These are the words of Jesus. And he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You may be seated. This morning, I would like to share a little bit about the experience that I went through in the time of my surgery and operation, and even after the operation. I get people asking me all the time, and they say to me, when I was on television the other day, and I was on the Praise the Lord program with Jeff Fenhall, the first question that came out of his mouth, how was it? I mean, how did you feel? What did God show you? Uh, how did it feel to go through that experience that you went through? And these are the, the questions that I'm going to try to answer this morning that I believe that will also be a blessing within your life. And the very same way God works with me, I'm sure that he works with each and every one of us that are gathered here this morning. Now, in this portion of Scripture, the passage of Scripture that I have just read, we find the, the assurance of peace that Jesus is saying here that we could have his peace. And he gives two promises. He says, first of all, 
that the, the promise is that there's going to be tribulation in the world. You're going to go through tribulation. That's the first promise he gives us. He says, in this world, you're going to go through trials and you're going to go through tribulation. You find that all over the Bible. It's not just a, a blessing time. God is a God of blessing. But the Bible speaks about it very clearly that there's times of trials and times of affliction and also times of tribulation that come into our lives. So the first promise that he mentions here, even though he's speaking about peace, he says, in this world ye shall have tribulation. And then the second promise that he also makes, makes to us, he says, that uh, he, even though in spite of the tribulation, he says, even though there's trials and affliction and tribulation in the world, I want you to be of good courage, he says, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, I'm an overcomer. And if I'm an overcomer, then you could also be an overcomer. Now, the Word of God makes it very clear that the purpose of the enemy, the devil, he's come to steal, to kill, and also to destroy. And you know what he tries to do in our lives? What he tried to do in my life, and he tries to do in the lives of many of us. The devil tries to come and, and take away or rob from us the peace that Jesus gives us. See, in this passage of Scripture, that it, it, in verse 33 of, of John chapter 16, it talks about the, the tribulation that we're going to go through, but it also says, first, the first portion says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. See, the, the purpose of, of Jesus and what he's trying to do within our lives, that in spite of this unstable world that we live in, he wants to give us that peace that only he can give. And the enemy, on the other hand, on the other, on the other hand, he is trying to take away the peace that Jesus gives us. And I want you to think about it this morning. Do you have the peace of Jesus Christ? Or have the enemy ripped, off the, ripped you off the peace that Jesus wants to give you, the peace that belongs to you? Now, he tries to do this in three different ways the devil tries to take the peace from us. First of all, this is what we're going to be looking at this morning. First of all, he tries to strip us from the peace that Jesus gives us through uncontrollable circumstances. Uncontrollable circumstances. And then also, secondly, he also tries to take away the peace that Jesus gives us through unrealized dreams. And also, thirdly, he tries to strip us from the peace of Jesus Christ when we go through a sense of uncertainty towards the future. These are three things, three experiences that many times we go through that take the peace that God gives us. It takes it, takes it away from our lives, and we can't enjoy the peace of God. Now, there's an answer to the problem. Thank God that we find problems in the Word of God. We find that there's a devil. We're going to go through problems. We're going to go through trials. But there's an answer to any situation and any problem that you may be going through this morning. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7, here we find Paul speaking to the Philippian Christians, and he says to them, be careful for nothing. Or in other words, be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God you notice what he's saying he's saying don't worry about a thing whatever you may be going through don't worry about it don't get so over anxious over the trials and the situation that comes into your life he says but in prayer he says pray pray to God and as you come before the throne of God also in supplication unto him or presenting your petition before God and also in thanksgiving as well I think even though you may be going through hard times and there are periods that we go through hard times within our lives sometimes we we focus on on the hardship and the negative experience and we fail to focus on the blessings that God has bestowed upon our lives whatever you may be going through this morning I think we need to get our our focus from the problem and begin to focus our minds and begin to place our focus on the blessings that God has bestowed upon our lives that from that very day that we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ how many of you could actually say that God has blessed your life God has been a blessing in your life and then when we do that he gives us the promise in the Word of God and he says and the results will be if you pray if you present your petition before God if you come to him in an attitude not a negative attitude but a positive attitude of Thanksgiving he says and then and the peace of God he says which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus he gives us a peace that passes all understanding it's something that cannot be comprehended in the natural mind you can't understand the natural mind cannot understand understand this peace that Jesus is talking about that in the midst of a in the midst of affliction when you're going through that fiery furnace and whatever situation you could be going through within your life there's a, a, a peace and there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory that God is able to give us the peace of God which passes all understanding I wonder how many of you have experienced that in your time of affliction well I I declare to you this morning that, that I have I have you know in my time of affliction I have experienced that peace that Jesus talks about that passes all understanding now throughout the years in my Christian experience and in my ministry I've gone through many trials I can't say this morning that I've been void of, of trials and tribulation I wish I, I could say that but you know my middle name is trials I've gone through periods of trials and I've gone through periods of, of suffering I've gone through many trials and I've also experienced uh, many disappointments I've experienced many disappointments. Anyone that's been in the ministry for 28 years will experience not only trials, but experience times of disappointment. You get disappointed by people. People have a tendency to disappoint you. Whenever you work with people, whenever you begin to mingle with people, whenever you get involved with people, there's always going to be people that a devil will use to disappoint you. And at the same time, 
you also uh, not only get disappointed by, by people, but also many times those disappointments many times turn into discouragement. Disappointed by people, disappointed by circumstances, and because of the circumstances, you come into that place of discouragement within your life. But the greatest trial that I have ever been through was the one that I went through recently. Now, I've gone through many trials in my entire Christian experience, but I want to tell you, it, it, it wasn't as big and it wasn't the magnitude of the trial that I just recently went through in the last few months. And this is why I want to listen. I want you to listen because I want to share some things that actually took place within my life. I went, I went through these trials recently, and I went through them because, uh, first of all, they, I went through uncontrollable circumstances that came into my life. Remember I mentioned the first point is uncontrollable circumstances? I went through those moments and I went through that period of uh, that I had to face uncontrollable circumstances that came in my life. It brought me face to face with death. When I talk about uncontrollable circumstances, I'm talking about not circumstances that you could work out. There are circumstances that come your way that you had something to do with. I mean, and you, you're, the, you're the guilty person because of what you did. That's why you face those circumstances. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about circumstances that you didn't even expect, circumstances that are uncontrollable, that you cannot do anything about it. And that's the circumstances that I went through recently in my illness and in my sickness that brought me face to face with death. Many have asked me, what has it done to you? I mean. That experience, what has it done in your life, you know? Because many times God becomes even more real to you when you're going through that fiery furnace, when you're going through that affliction experience is when you recognize your need of God and God becomes even more real to you than in the times of prosperity. And I want to share what it really meant to me. I want to share some of the things that I experienced when I was going through this great trial. First of all, the first thing that I went through and I experienced and was that I began to evaluate the first thing you do, or the first thing I did, and I, th I think the first thing many people do when they go through their time of affliction, real heavy time of affliction, is you begin to evaluate your relationship with God. That's the first thing. When you begin to face death and you come face to face with death, the very first thing you do is begin to think about God and begin to think about your relationship with God. I remember that day when I went to, I was going to have the operation the next morning. And it was early in the morning that I had to check, I had to check into the hospital and it was in Newport Beach, the hospital. So we said we'll go the night before and we'll stay in a hotel room, a motel room near the hospital so that at 5 o'clock you could check into the hospital and then by 7 o'clock they wanted to begin the operation. So at that night, the night before, I went to the hotel close to the hospital and my family went with me. We, we rented a few rooms and, and some pastors even went. A few pastors also wanted to be with me at that time and they also went and they rented a room as well. And then that morning, just before I went to check into the hospital for the operation, there was a moment 
that I didn't want anybody around. I mean, that was a moment that even my family couldn't help me at that particular moment. That was a time that I said, well, I'm going to be stepping in the doors of that hospital, and I don't know what's going to happen. I got to go through a major operation. So I need to talk to God. I need to talk to God. And there are times when God reveals to you and God speaks to you and tells you everything is going to be all right. That wasn't the case with my experience. I had been praying the Lord. I, I was praying for a healing for, for many years. Even when uh, Morris Cirillo came into this tent. You remember that day? When Morris Cirillo walked into this tent, I said, well, maybe the Lord has brought him so I can get healed. And he's going to pray for anybody for a healing, and I want to be the first one. And remember when he was praying, he, I also prayed for me, and I prayed for me, and I, he was slain. And, you know, this is something, God is a sovereign God. God heals those that he wants with divine healing, and then also thank God that God also has doctors that he, he has placed in their place so that also they could bring healing as well. So I had to go the, the route of the, the hospital and the route of, uh, of an operation. I, I told my wife and I told the kids, I, I need to be alone. I closed myself in the room and I just got before God. And I began to pray and I began to, I began to, began to speak to him and I began to cry out to him. And I began to have that beautiful communion with Jesus Christ. But you know what I did most of all? It, it wasn't something of asking for anything. It was just saying, Lord, if, if my life is not right, then make it right right now. If there's anything at all that is between my relationship with you, if there's any sin in my life that I may not even know about, then I plead, have mercy upon me, and let the blood of Jesus Christ be applied to that sin because the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed me from all sin. I said, Lord, I, if I'm not right, I repent. I, I repent of, 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 of any unknown sin that I may have, anything at all. I, I want to walk out of this place, Mr. Clean, and I don't want anything to interfere with my relationship with you. See, I'm no fool. I want to make it into heaven. And if there was something there, then let's get it out of the way so that we could go ahead and uh, I could be ready to meet, meet the Lord. So the first thing I did was evaluate my relationship with Jesus Christ, with God. And I needed to get into that room alone with God. I also had some other concerns as well. My other concern was also for my immediate family. And I started thinking, you can't help it. You think that sometimes you take your family for granted, your immediate family for granted, but when you face death, the first thing you want to do is call your family together. That's the first thing you want to do. And I called my immediate family, and one of the concerns that I had was that uh, if I didn't make it, because the Lord didn't indicate anything. The Lord didn't say that he was going to heal me, and I would ask my wife to get any word from the Lord, and she says, nope. I mean, he didn't tell you he's going to heal me, Julie. I mean, did you get anything? I mean, any indication that he's going to... It's going to be healing. I'm going to be all right. Did he speak to you about it? She says, no. She said, did you get any word? I said, no. There's been a silence. So I said, well, anything could happen. I got my kids together. And one of my concerns when I got my children together was that I, I wanted them to know that if anything happened to me, 
if anything at all happened to me, I didn't want them to get, become bitter against God. I said, if the Lord would take me, and if I don't make it, and I don't, and I don't come through this operation the way you desire for me to come through, and if the Lord would take me home, then remember, I, there's no need to be bitter about it. And I began to share with them of the blessings that God has bestowed upon my life. I share with them, and I said, I've been so blessed of God that God has been such a blessing in my life that I want you to think about the good things and what the Lord has done for me and the way the Lord uh, enabled me to be a blessing to you and be an example within our, my home and be the father that you wanted me to be. It's all because of Jesus Christ. So if the Lord would take me home through this operation, then I want you not to get bitter, but I want you to think about all the blessings that God has bestowed upon my life. And I wanted them to know, I wanted them to know, I wanted them to know that, that in spite of it all, whatever the situation, whatever the outcome may be, that God is a faithful God, and God is a merciful God, and God is a loving God, and you keep on serving the Lord. So my concern was for my immediate, immediate family. And then also, not only was my concern for my immediate family, but also my concern was for our church family, for you. I was very concerned about you. In fact, I was so concerned about you because I said, I've been with this church now for 28 years. Some of you that have been with me from even the very beginning, there's a close tie. It's not just coming to church as we come and sit here and but there's, there's a relationship, there's a, there's, a, there's a love relationship that we have with one another. And I've been your pastor for so many years. I had a concern about our church. I said, and my concern was that in spite of what happens, this, this church has to continue to go forward. And my concern was so great that I even made a little tape for you. Remember that? Even before I went into the operation, I said, I want to I speak to our congregation. I want to speak to them because I, I don't know the outcome, what's going to happen, and I want to speak to our people. And remember that when they played the tape? That was before I was going to go into the operation. And I even told you, while you're listening to this tape, I should be in recovery. I said, I should be. I said, I will be. I should be if everything goes all right. But one of the, concer the concerns that I had was this, and I, I remember what I told you in the tape. I said to you, be faithful. Be faithful. I said, your pastor is going to be operated, and I'm going to go through a, a very serious operation. Your pastor is going to be facing death face to face. But I want you, as you've always been faithful, I want you to be faithful. Be faithful to God and be faithful to your church. And then secondly, I also told you, and I, I encouraged you, and I challenge you to back up your leadership. Remember that? I said, we have good leadership in our church. And I want you to stand behind them. I may not be preaching behind the pulpit for a while. You may not see me for a while, but God has placed strong and powerful and, and godly leadership within the church. Back up and stand behind your leadership. And then I also challenge you to be strong, remember? Be strong in the Lord. So be strong in the Lord and the, the power of his might. And, and also, I mentioned, stay at your 
pulse. Because every time, whenever there is a, a crisis within the church or even the leadership of the church, you could rest assured that the, the enemy is going to try to come in like a flood. Any opening that the enemy sees, any vulnerability, he will always try to come in like a flood. But the Spirit of the Lord will always raise up a standard against him. See, the test of a strong church is not when things are going good. The test of a strong and powerful church is not in the, in, the, in, the, in the prosperity experience or in the time of prosperity. The test of a, of a strong church is in the time of adversity, the time of trials. When trials come, that brings out the best within a person's life and also within a church. So a strong church is, uh, is, is, de is determined by how they go and how they stand in the midst of trials. And I want you to know that this church has passed with flying colors. In fact, I want you to give yourself a hand. I was at home, but I was keeping in touch with what was happening over here. I was hearing the reports. I'm hearing more people are coming to the church. And the blessings of God are in the church. And then they would even give me the videos, and I couldn't go out, but I would watch the videos. And I would see the faces of God's people here in our church, and I would, see, I would hear the preaching, Saul's, Pastor Saul's preaching, uh, Pastor Charlie's preaching, the, the altar calls that were made. And at home I was blessed, and I was, I was so proud because I was able to see that, that God has established not a, not a flaky church, not just a, an emotional, immature church, but God has established a solid and powerful and mature church and a mature group of people. So let no one tell you that this church is not mature. You're still here. You're still praising God. And the work of God is still going forward. So my concern was with our local church. Also, was not only with our local family, but also my concern was with the Victory Outreach family worldwide. You see, a leader has uh, a lot of responsibility. And not only my responsibility for our local congregation, but my responsibility for the outreach worldwide. You know what I did? I called the elders of the church. In fact, we had a meeting, an eldership meeting. And I looked at them, and I had to share with them. You know, it was an emotional time. It reminds me of, and we're going we're gonna to be getting into that because we're going to be studying the book of Acts. The next few weeks, I'm going to see if we, find, we finish Weeks to come, finish the book of Acts. And it reminded me of Paul when he was giving a farewell to all of his, uh, all of his disciples. And I had our eldership there, and I was sharing with them, and I, I shared with them, and I says, you know, I says, I have to go through this operation. Met with them, and I told them, I need, I'm going to go through this operation. I don't know what the outcome may be, but I know one thing. You all need each other. And no matter what happens to me, each one of you need to be at your post and you need to be able to, to be together and, and remain in that spirit of unity. My concern was 
And I even said to them, every one of you have a responsibility and every one of you fulfill the responsibility that God has given you, no matter what happens to me, so that this ministry that God has established could go forward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I challenged them. My concern was for them to go forward. And you know what, what happened? It, it looks like when, when you're going through crisis, uh, that's when leadership all of a sudden rises up to the occasion. And we've seen that happen over here in our church. In crisis period, you guys have gotten together. You, you sense the crisis and you said, we're going to make it. We've got to be together. And there was a pulling together that I sensed. Just walking in here after my recovery, I could feel a pulling together because you sensed the, the state of emergency and you sensed that, that it was going through a period of crisis and everybody needed each other. There was a unity. There was a oneness. Well, the very same thing happened with the leadership of the Victory Outreach Worldwide. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. My wife, Julie, came back recently and she mentioned that she went to Barcelona for the leadership retreat. I was not able to go because I was still going through my recovery, physical recovery. And when she came back, what a report she gave me. She said, Sonny, if you would have been there in Barcelona, Spain, you would have been so proud of your spiritual children. And then she began to pinpoint each one of them. She says, you should have seen Ed Morales. Ed Morales got up there and he preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and God used them in a powerful way. And then she says, you should have seen Pastor Tony from San Diego. Pastor Tony was preaching and Pastor Tony is not too emotional, I have you know. Tony, if you're listening to me, you're not too emotional sometimes. But she told me in the report she gave me and it wasn't like Pastor Tony, she said throughout his entire message in Barcelona, as he was speaking, he was crying. And he's speaking, and tears are coming down his face as he was speaking. She says, oh, you should have seen him the way God used him, the anointing of God upon his life, and the brokenness that he had for those people in Barcelona. And then she also gave me the report of Mitchell Peterson. You know that Mitchell Peterson is the one that we have overseeing the European work. And she says, Sonny, if you would have seen Mitchell Peterson, he was at his very best. She said, I, I, it was just such a confirmation. He was at the right place at the right time in the right position with the anointing of a God flowing and working through his life. She said, Sonny, you would have been so proud of your spiritual children if you would have been there in Barcelona, Spain. Now, possibly, if I would have been there, they probably would have thrown the responsibility on me. But Pastor Sonny wasn't there. And because Pastor Sonny wasn't there, that leadership have, had to arise to the occasion. And they arose to the occasion. And you know what that showed me? You know what I've learned from that? When I think about the church and 
ministry worldwide. I'm so blessed and, and I, I'm proud, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, because I say, I, I have the assurance now that if anything would happen to me, I always had a concern. I said, people used to tell me, Pastor, if something happens to you, this thing could fall apart. They used to tell me also some of the leadership around the outreach, Pastor, if you're not there and something happens to you, man, everybody will be scattered to the four corners of the world. You know what God showed me when I went through this crisis? That in spite of what happens to me, God has raised up a mighty work and, and a solid and solid work that in spite of what happens to me, this work will continue to go forward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that, that's the goal that every leader has is to establish an, an indigenous ministry that it could go on and, and it doesn't have to lean upon that leader, but that, that it could move ahead because of the leadership that God has raised up. And I believe with all my heart that we have come to that place within our church and the outreach ministry, and I'm not planning on going anywhere anyhow, but I want you to know that this ministry could continue to go on because this ministry is not founded upon the foundation of man, but it's founded upon the foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord. So as a concern for our ministry worldwide, I said it has to, it has to go on. It must go on. And praise God, the leadership arose to the occasion. Now during my surgery, you know, I experienced other tremendous experiences. During the surgery, you know, when I was in the hospital, all of a sudden, God's people came together to pray. And there were people in our church that got together and began to pray. And not only people in our church, but people began to pray and fast worldwide. There was a prayer chain from our home church around the globe where people were praying and people were fasting for my recovery. In fact, I have here, and I was so blessed this morning, I have here Victory Outreach to the Pastor's Prayer Partners. You know what I did this morning before I came, came into the service? This uh, humble group of brothers, they said to me, Pastor Sonny, could you meet with us a little bit earlier before you go into the main service? We're the people that have been praying for you. Could you meet with us this morning so that you can share with us and, and tell us what we should continue to pray about? And this morning I walked into that auditorium and there was about a hundred men that were gathered there. In fact, as soon as I walked in, you could feel the spirit of prayer. They were walking up and down. Hallelujah, glory to God. You know, and I just walked in and you could feel the power of the presence of God. And then the leader said, he gathered them all together. He says, here he is, the, our pastor who we've been praying for. They had all had these little buttons over here. And he said, would you, would you be so kind as to address them and maybe share some words, whatever's upon your heart. I, I looked at all of them, and, and to tell you the truth, I, I just felt like just getting all of them and giving them a real, real big hug. And, and I could not even put into words what they meant to me and even put into words how, how God has used these, these, this prayer group of people that have been banding together in prayer for their pastor. 
and not only them, but many of you that have been praying. You see, when I was going through that, how many know that every leader, every leader is a target of the enemy? How many of you know that the enemy doesn't like me? I'm, I'm, I'm one, of the up, one of the big ones up there on his hit list. I may not be number one, but I'm close to number one somewhere up there on the enemy's hit list. And what an opportunity for the enemy, uh, going through surgery, opening me up, taking my heart out. You know, they even did that. Imagine that, when they started telling me they're gonna take my heart out, I don't wanna even hear about it. Just go ahead and do what you gotta do. We want you to know we're going to take your heart out and we're going to put you in a machine and it's going to be pumping your blood and we need more blood and we need people to come and give you blood because something could happen. You could even have a brain damage or, or you could have a stroke or you may not make it and uh, some people don't make it, you know. And I said, I don't want to hear about it. Just do what you have to do. But what an opportunity for the enemy to come. And while I was going through that operation, all of a sudden everything was successful and, 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 and even though the, everything worked successful as far as they were concerned, I, there was a bleeding that they couldn't stop and they didn't know where it was coming from. And they had to keep me open for over an hour and a half trying to look for the source of the bleeding. They just couldn't find where I, where, where I, was, where I was bleeding, where it was coming from. They just couldn't find it. They kept me open as, as long as they could keep me open without damage. And then they even had to close me up even while I was still bleeding because they couldn't keep me open anymore. But you know what was happening behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, there were people in the, in the prayer chapel at the Presbyterian Hospital. They had some holy rollers at the Presbyterian Hospital. You see those hospitals that have chapels? You don't see many people praying in them, do you? Like it's supposed to be meditation or whatever, you know. But over there, you had some Holy Ghost people from Victory Outreach that were storming the gates of heaven for a miracle within my life. And do you know that my wife had a vision? She had a vision. She had a vision of four angels standing on each corner of my bed and that the spirit of death wanted to come and, and claim me and those angels were with their swords and they were just going like that and just fighting off the spirit of death. Not only did she, while she was having that vision, there was another person here that Pastor Charlie came and shared with Julie. There was another person here in our church that had the very same vision. Pastor Charlie says, Julie, do you see, let me tell you about a vision this person had, that there were four angels, there were angels that were there at his bedside just fighting off the spirit of death that wanted to take a hold of him. Julie gets a call from Amsterdam, Holland. A young man in Amsterdam, Holland says, uh, Sister Julie, I have to just give you this report and the vision that God gave me. While Pastor Sonny was going through the surgery, I saw angels gathering and standing around his bed, and they were warring off the spirit of death that wanted to claim him. Those angels were there for protection. And it was, the more God, God's people were praying, the more the angelic hosts were, were warring against the principalities of the air and those that would bring the spirit of death upon my body. God's people were praying. And then finally, when the 
not only were they praying there, but even in different places they were praying. I mean, they were praying, praying all over the uh, Channel 40, throughout the whole uh, 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 network of TBN, they were praying. And then finally, when they went ahead and uh, uh, they, Julie was waiting for a report from the doctor, he says he's bleeding, and we had to close him up, but he's still bleeding, and if he doesn't stop bleeding by so-and-so time, we're going to have to open him up again. And if we open him up again, then we can't guarantee anything. There could be a lot of complications, or he may not even make it. And then she says, well, I'm going to go back and pray. He says, I, I suggest you do that. And do you know that about a half hour before they were going to open me up again, because even though they closed me up, I was pour, blood was still pouring out, and just a half hour before they opened me again, all of a sudden, the bleeding stopped. The bleeding stopped. The bleeding stopped. It was the unity of God's people gathering together in unifying prayer. The pastor's prayer partners and all those that were praying together for my recovery. So there was God's people that were praying. I am here this morning. I believe, I declare to you this morning, I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer. And then coming out of the, the surgery, you know, when you have, I, I, I was so blessed, you never know how many friends you have until you need them, right? And you don't even know how much, how, how loved you are until you're in need. And man, I mean, I was like, they looked at me at the hospital like if I was the president. They were bombarded with calls from all over the nation, from all over the world. People were calling the hospital. We want to know about, about Sonny Argonzoni. We want to know how is it? How, how, is this, uh, how, how is he doing? We want to know. We want to know. And everybody was calling. And there were so many calls that came in that they even had to take me and put me, put me in a VIP room. They gave me the same room John Wayne had. Not a room, but a suite. They said, we must have somebody very important over here. And they went ahead and they got me and they put me in a big suite. They gave me the same room all Roberts had when he was over there at the hospital when he went, went through an operation. They said, we got, this is a VIP with all these calls coming in. They said, we got to do something about it. You know what they did? They began to lie to the people. And when people called, they said, he's not here. He's not here. Even Jeff Fenholz said it on televisions the other day that when he called, they told him, there's no Sonny Argonzoni here. We don't know who you're talking about, that's all. So many flowers were coming in from all over that there wasn't a room big enough to accommodate the flowers that the people were sending and with an expression of love and, and, the, and their beautiful message of love within the cards, within the flowers, that I think some of the, the, the nurses began to take the flowers home with them. In fact, we spotted one of the nurses. They said, you don't need all these flowers, and they started taking them home, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't, we couldn't, there was no place to put all the flowers, 
of the expression of love of all the people, of all of God's people, Victory Outreach people, and people all over, even other ministries like uh, Chuck Smith, for instance, Calvary Chapel, they're having a big convention. And I heard about, uh, Pastor told me that he got up in the convention and he started telling everybody, I heard that Sonny Argonzoni is, in, uh, is going through an operation. I, he stopped the whole convention. Let's all pray for Pastor Sonny Argonzoni together. That whole convention began to pray for me. Other ministries joining together in prayer, you know, and while all this was happening, I kind of, I, I was thinking about all that, and I said, man, and you know what I started thinking about? I felt so unworthy, and I said, you know, I, I really don't deserve this, but it's just God's grace, but I couldn't help but, but feel a sensitivity. You know what I told my wife? I said, here am I, and even though I'm going through this, how many people in our church have gone through the very same thing I'm going through? And people that I know, and people that have actually been alone, where, where nobody has come. And, and I was even thinking of little Katie, K K Katie Torres, that's from our church. She's an elderly sister, senior citizen, put it that way. Senior citizen. And she was, at the same time, was going through a, a horrible operation. She was going through some, I believe, bypasses, but they had to open her up the same way they opened me up. And I was saying, I was saying, I wonder if anybody went to see Katie. And, and, and what about these other people that have gone through trials? Some of you that have gone through some heavy trials. I'm telling you, my heart went out to all of our precious people that you've gone through the very same experience. Some of you even heavier experiences, and yet it wasn't a lot of fanfare, and there wasn't a whole army of people praying. But, but nevertheless, the God was with you. And, and I think about it, and I says, you know, I, I have more compassion for, for people, for sick people, and people that are going through affliction. I said to my wife, I'm never going to be the same again. When I see somebody hurting, my heart is going to go out to them, and I'm not taking it for granted. The Lord gave me a new compassion, even greater compassion, for people that are physically hurting and people that are going through crisis. Now, as we move ahead and we're going to be bringing it to a close, not only was I face-to-face, -face, I'm not bringing it to a close yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> Almost there. But this is a special day, isn't it? So you'll bear with me a little bit, won't you? Let me speak my heart. Is that all right? Okay. Okay. The only that I come face to face with uncontrollable circumstances that I had to confront, but also I had to confront this, and this is very important. I want you to get a hold of this. I had to confront, and I came face to face with the reality of unrealized dreams. How many know that I'm a visionary person? In fact, every man or woman of God, the very desire that they have inside of them is to be able to, to complete the ministry and the calling that God has given unto them. I mean, that's the desire of any man or woman of God, to be able to say, I have finished my work. That was the desire of the Apostle Paul. His whole desire was, I press toward the mark. I want to finish it. I, I want to run, I'm running that race, and I'm not going to be a quitter, and I want to finish everything that God has called me to do, and I want to maximize my time to be able to, that when I go before the Lord, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
because you finished what I have called you to do. And I felt deep within my heart that there were still unrealized dreams that I had inside of me, even without telling anybody, that were not yet accomplished. This is what brought a, a, a real heaviness to my heart when I said, I haven't heard from God, and, 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 and the Lord would take me now. There's still unfinished work. I, I haven't finished. I don't feel I finished what God has called me to do. And that death experience brought me face to face with my ministry. Brought me face to face with my ministry. There were still unfulfilled dreams within my life that were locked in my heart. There were, there were dreams, unfulfilled dreams in my life concerning my family. I still want to see God do greater things within my own, with my own in, 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 immediate family. I want to see everybody saved in my family. I'm praying for the salvation of all my family, all my children. They're coming in one by one, and most of them are saved already. And the other ones, if they're not saved, they're half saved by now. But, you know, we... But that's a, that's a dream that I have to see my entire family serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, I want to see that. I don't want, I don't want to die without seeing that. I want to see it. I want to see my children, every one of them serving God. I thank God for Sonny Jr. that you've raised them up to be an evangelist. But there's much more that you want to do. And then I was thinking about the, our church. I said, Lord, you can't take me now. Well, we're still in a tent. <laughs> and then I said, Lord, just before I, I went into the hospital, some of the people were complaining that the seats were cold. And then it was cold in that tent, and that this about the tent, and that about the tent. And I said, Lord, I, we don't have a building yet, and we don't want to go into two, three services again. And, Oh, Lord, I said, we, we got to build that building, and, and we haven't finished yet, and, and we're still camping out in that tent. Lord, you can't take me home now. There's an unf un unfulfilled, unrealized dreams yet, things that have not yet been accomplished that I feel that I want to see. So still under the tent, an unrealized dream. I have a vision that God is going to give us a building. Some of you have become doubting Thomases already, you know. We've been saying that for a long time, haven't we? But you know that things don't come easy for us? Things don't come easy for us. For some people, it comes easy. That's why we're becoming solid. That's why we, we're becoming a solid congregation, because things just don't come easy. There's a lot of travailing. There's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of suffering before we, we, we achieve what we feel God wants us to achieve. And, and, and I just know that uh, that building is coming. I could see it. It may not be coming in my timing I, as far as the timing that I want. I like to move God and move him ahead, but it comes according to God's timing. But according to God's timing, it shall come to pass, and I want to see it happen. I want to be here in the dedication of the tremendous building that he's going to put up. I want to hear the choir sing for the glory of God. I want to be here. I want to be part of those rejoicing and jubilee for the building that he wants to give us. And then I also was saying I, I still feel that the Mother Church is it's going to be a lighthouse. We've done 
We've done a lot, but there's still much more that God wants us to do. How many know that God wants to use us in a greater dimension? We've done a lot, but we can't sit back and just rejoice on past accomplishments. God wants to do more in Victory Outreach La Puente. He hasn't released me. I'm, I'm still, you're stuck with me. Because we haven't finished. We haven't finished. He wants to do more. I look at this church, and I, I believe God wants to raise it up to be a lighthouse, not only in La Puente, not only in our community, but a lighthouse throughout the entire world and also throughout our entire country. I have an unrealized vision and dream of, of our services coming out on television. We're close to it. In fact, the cameras are here this morning. Uh, that equipment, it, it, it just may be our equipment in a little while. In fact, that truck, we're claiming it. We laid hands on it. As far as I'm concerned, it's ours. And, and, and why are we doing that? And, and what's beautiful about it, it's, 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 the church doesn't really have to be putting out the finances. We don't really have it. Some of you that don't pay your tithes, that's why we don't have it. Can I get preaching, meddling now a little bit on that? No. But All-American TV, and that's a, a, a corporation, All-American TV, that somehow the Lord has placed me there as president of that corporation, and with All-American TV, Looks like we're going to be purchasing that equipment, and, and then we're going to be not only purchasing that equipment, we've got five stations already. We have five stations already that are waiting for us to take these programs and begin to air them into these five stations around the country. That's why we have all the technicians are here and engineers are here. Brother Finley is here. Brother Finley was one of the, the, the founders of the 700 Club and helping them getting together. And now the Lord has brought them all the way also to help us get going with our nationwide television ministry as well. These are dreams that I've had locked in my heart for many years, but it wasn't the timing. But we're coming real close to it. And I says, oh Lord, this is not time to go home. There's still unrealized dreams, and there's still great and mighty things that you want to do in the mother church. And being a lighthouse, not only in the community, but being a lighthouse all over the country and all over the world. And then also, what about the ministry as a whole? Well, there's still unrealized dreams that I have locked in my heart for our ministry as a whole. I feel we haven't even arrived yet. Now, we come out in books, and I think we're coming out in the church growth book. Right, Pastor Charlie? Church growth book, who's coming out? Victory Outreach. As one of the churches, there's only about 13 churches of the future. Huh? They're saying Victory Outreach is one of those very few cutting-edge churches of the future. We just came out in that book, that the profile on Hispanic leaders. And they, they voted on that. And they had leaders from all over the country, all the way from New York to Southern California. Some of the people in there, uh, that singer, what it, Esteban, Gloria Stefan was in there. And, that uh, 
Andy Garcia, that actor, and all these famous people, and, and they put me close to Cesar Chavez over there. As people that are, are role models in, in, in reaching our community, not only in our community uh, 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 locally, but in our community nationwide. See, so, I mean, we have all these things, but I says, well, we still haven't arrived. There's still much more that God wants to do within the Victory Outreach Ministry, within establishing United We Can. You see, that vision that God gave me in Dallas has not become a reality yet. I have a dream. inside of me that I believe by, by the year 2000, by the year 2000, I, I believe that, that God is, is going, even before the year 2000, God is going to give us over 10,000 faithful, I, I'll stress that, faithful, not just 10,000 names, but 10,000 faithful partners that will be giving a dollar a day. And I'm lowballing that right now. And then what about the 500 Club? I believe in the 500 Club that, that God is raising up people that are going to be joining up the 500 Club that are going to be giving above the dollar a day. United, we can. You see, when God spoke to me in Dallas, he says, uh, you people may be, you people may not have much, but little is much when God is in it. And if you rally them together and they unite together, you'll be able to do something so powerful that is unheard of what you will be able to do if God's people will only unite together in oneness and in one vision. And this is when we introduced this last conference, we introduced the dollar a day. And those of you that have not been faithful to the dollar a day, shame on you. I pray right now the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will get a hold of you right now. And that everybody, as soon as they finish hearing me preaching this message, will take out their money and begin to be faithful in that dollar a day program that God has raised up. It was not a man, man's idea. It was a God idea. You see, through the faithfulness of United We Can, and the faithfulness, once this dream becomes a reality, we'll be able to reach out throughout the entire world. Now, can it be a reality? Can it be a, be a reality? Yes, by, by those that go and that those that, that are sent and by united we can as we unite together in oneness. And then finally, with this I close. I really mean it. See, the devil, what he's trying to do, he wants to take our peace away. I found that peace. You know when I found that peace? When I locked myself in that room, all of a sudden a peace came upon me. And I felt sorry for my family. They were all worried. I wasn't worried anymore. I said, well, let's go. Praise the Lord. And Julie said, oh, I just can't think about how, the horrible experience you're going to have. And I said, is this girl trying to scare me or something? Or what? Well, I, I, I had the peace. I had the peace. I got it. I had the peace. No matter what the, I had the peace. Everything was going to be all right. 
even though there was an uncertain future. And whenever you're going through uncertainty towards your future, there's a tendency to begin to worry about it. There's a tendency to develop anxiety. And one of the things you, you go through in crisis it, that it, it hits you is fear and, and insecurity of the future. And then also the tendency to begin to worry and to begin to be uh, operating and, and, and moving with, full of anxiety because you, you don't know what, what's up ahead and you, you don't know what the future holds for you. But I want you to know that for the unsaved, uh, he has reason to worry. If you're not saved this morning, then you don't have a, a policy, you don't have an insurance policy blanket over you. And you have reason to worry. But the Bible says not for the child of God. The child of God should not have to worry about the future. We have a heavenly Father who watches over us personally and assumes responsibility for us personally for provision, for protection, and also for care. When you get home, why don't you read Matthew chapter 6? It talks about that he, he, he takes care of the lilies of the field, and if he takes care of the lilies of the field, are, not they much, uh, are, are you not much better than they? And if he takes care of them, how much more would he take care of us, all ye of little faith? He's able to provide for us. He's able to protect us. He's able to care for us. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 to 9, it tells us uh, what to do when our burden, when we're so burdened that we have, we have no peace. Sometimes we get so burdened. There are some of you that are not walking in peace this morning. There are some of you that are listening to the voice, to my, the sound of my voice right now and are watching uh, me through this tape and you don't have peace within your life. There is conflict. There is fear within your life. There's a sense of insecurity. You shouldn't have that if you're a child of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 to 9 says, Cast all your cares. It says, Cast all your cares. Cast all your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. In other words, cast all your worries upon him, because he'll do the worrying for you. The word casting, it means to turn over to someone else, to take your hands off it, and let somebody else bear it for you. That load that you're carrying, that burden that you're carrying, Jesus is saying, I don't want you to carry it no more. Cast it on me, for I care for you. Now that word casting, what it really means, it means rolling them over because I've mentioned it before that you cannot, some of us, the burden is so heavy that we can't even lift it. You're so under the burden this morning, there are so many that are under the burden that even if you try to lift that burden, you're incapable of lifting it because it's so heavy and it has you so burdened down. Well, the Lord knows that. And that's why he says, when he says, cast it upon me, he's saying, don't even have to pick it up. Just roll it over to me, and I'll take care. It's like uh, holding a weight, and you have a, a firm grip on it. You need to relax your grip this morning and roll the burden, the weight, onto the Lord. And he says, and I'll take care of it. In Psalms 55, 22, it says, cast thy burdens on the Lord, and he shall we pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.